0: Oh, good morning. morning. Welcome to Crossroads. Listen, we are in a message series. This is part four. Next week we'll wrap up this whole series of Chasing Carrots, which has been about the continual pursuit for more. That's our world, right? That's kind of our life. Today we're going to talk about the pursuit of approval. Chasing the carrot of approval. Do you like... Me, right? We all kind of want to know that. Do you approve of me? And the battle, listen, the battle of trying to please people over trying to please God is amazing. You can't win, you'll never catch that carrot. If I can get some help from all of you, how many of you think that you might, you just might care a little too much about what other people think? Good. Not everybody can have their hands, because I swear I run into some people, they could care less. (laughs) But that's not most of us. I like what Harriet Baker says. She writes this, that the disease to please, get this, is actually a form of addiction. Addiction that the disease to please other people is actually a form of addiction. Like a drug addict, right, is addicted to drugs, people pleasers are addicted to pleasing people. So how do you know if this is a battle that you're fighting? How do you know? Well, take out your notes, if you would, your message outlines. you can follow along, fill in the blanks on this journey together today. How do you know if you've got this battle going on in your life of trying to please people. The first one is this, that you obsess about what others think. You obsess about what other people think. Do you like my outfit? Do you like my hairstyle? Did you see the picture I posted? Did you like it? What do you think of my kids? I texted you. You never responded. It's been like 38 seconds. What's going on? People pleasers, we obsess about what other people think. I wrestle with it. Most of us in this room, we wrestle with it at some level, right? Every Sunday, you know what I do when I get home? I stare because I'm mentally exhausted. But one thing I do almost every week is I ask my wife, What'd you think today? How'd it go? And almost every week she says, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> I'm not that good, but I'm slow. Will you obsess about what other people think? That's what people pleasers do. The second thing, if you're still trying to figure out if you battle with this, is people pleasers, you're oftenly oversensitive to criticism. People pleasers were overly sensitive to criticism. Any type of criticism, right? Your boss makes a suggestion about your performance and you fall apart. I don't even know how to work here. I'm just gonna, I'll probably just quit. You go home and you're devastated. Your kids, your kids talk to you about your parenting and you, all of a sudden you feel like you're such a failure. Like you, you, you want to fall apart on the inside. I, I'm just worthless. A hundred people can come up to you and tell you what a great job you did. And one person can give something that's sort of critical or a complaint or something that they didn't agree with and you'll go home and you'll obsess about what the one person said and totally negate what the hundred people said. Anybody relate? <laughs> we're, yeah, we're in the right place. This is good. This is good. Here's the third thing. If you're kind of running a test, this is what people pleasers battle with, is you actually have a hard time saying no. People pleasers, listen, we, we have, if you have this disease to please, if you battle with this, you have a hard time ever saying no because you don't want to hurt someone's feelings. You'll be sitting at home trying to relax. All of a sudden there's a knock on your door. And you go and there's this little boy, a little girl standing there. And they're selling you magazines. You haven't opened up a magazine in years. But you can't say no. See, so buy the magazines. You don't even like giving gifts, but you buy the wrapping paper. Why? Because I don't want to sell them no. I don't care if it was $45 a roll, I bought some. Right? That's what people pleasers do. Because we find it difficult to say no. You know why we're laughing at this? because it's us and we're kind of funny when you hear it like that right but we struggle there we struggle there that's exactly where some of us in this room we live there look at proverbs chapter 29 verse 25 this is this is amazing proverbs is a book of wisdom fear of man that's not men in general that's mankind people fear of people will prove to be what a snare you know what the Hebrew word for snare is? It's a word that we would use as noose. Like putting a noose around someone's neck. Or it means a hook or a hoop that they would put in a horses or a bull or one of those, right, an oxen. They would put it in their nose because you can steer a couple thousand pound animal with a hoop in its nose. Now, I was going to do that. I did this once a long time ago, and my, everybody got grossed out, and they're like, you had this thing in your nose, and my wife was like, you couldn't do that, so I didn't do it today. But imagine a hoop in my nose. You can put a hoop in your nose, and someone can grab that hoop, and they can steer you around, right? They just can, because it's like, oh, I don't want my nose ripped off, so okay, I'll go. I'll go. That's what it is to try to please people. That's the imagery that Proverbs has given us, that you... Try to please people; it's just like you having a hoop in your nose. People, you're being led around. That's what it is to be obsessed with what other people think. So he says, for a man or for people, it's a trap, it's a snare. And get this, and it is not of God. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever get this trust in the Lord will be kept safe. Fear of man, being a people pleaser. It's not God's will, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. I've got some really good news for you today. And that is whoever trusts in the Lord, in his presence, in his assessment of who you are, when you get his mentality about you, who you are, you don't have to worry about everybody else's opinion of who you are. When you get that, you'll be kept safe. You, you'll be able to take a breath. You don't have to live for the approval of everybody else because you realize where you stand with the one that created you. Man, if we can get there by the end of today where you can get it and we give you a way to make sure you get it for the next month or weeks or years, listen, you'll have something that most people will never have. Now, if you're like me, you struggle with what other people think of us, right? Right? I think we could all stand up one at a time and I could start it and say, hi, my name is Scott and I'm a recovering approval addict, right? We could all do that. Almost every one of us in some room. And again, there's a few of you are like, I could care less what other people think. Okay. Got another message for you. We'll do that another time. But anyway, <laughs> but fearing, fearing, what do people think? It's a trap, it's a snare, it's that hoop in your nose that people just steer you around with and everybody struggles with it. And it's quite destructive. It's like having a full-time job 24 hours a day. Don't you feel like that sometimes? You're trying to please this one and when you try to please this one, then this one's mad. And you, I was trying to do this and then I, I just can't keep them all going. I can't keep everybody happy, you're right. But why do we keep doing it? Because I can't say no. I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings. A little boy walked off my porch and I didn't buy his magazine. (laughs) That's just the beginning of life. Anyway, sorry. Let (laughs) Let this sink into your heart and soul. This is the starred point on your notes. Becoming obsessed with what people think about you. Becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the fastest way to forget what God thinks about you. When you get so obsessed about what people think about you, it will steer you away from what God thinks about you. You'll lose track of who you are in his eyes because you're worried about who everybody else thinks you should be. And depending on who you're around, you got a whole new set of criteria you're trying to and hoops to try to jump through. And it's just wears you out. But if you can just get to think about what God thinks about you and who you are to Him, you can take a breath. We need a different goal we got to pursue something different than what the rest of the world does. We can't seek the approval of everybody, whoever they are. You ever notice that? Like, oh, uh, who's they anyway? But what if, what if we literally build our lives around living for God and living for God alone? What if we just focus on who he is and who he says we are and who we are in him? We can quit being people pleasers. We have to learn to live for his will and for his purpose and for his glory, period. (laughs) I love this passage. Paul wrote a letter to the Galatians. Look at chapter 1, verse 10. He says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. Now, I want you to understand something for a second. The people of Galatia, they knew all the things that had happened in Paul's life They knew about his credibility of his word, and so when he said obviously, they knew that there was a lot of track record there of life experience. He had been in prison multiple times, right, for his faith, so he's obviously not living for the approval of men. If he's been willing to be put in jail, put in prison for his faith, he's obviously living to please God. He had been shipwrecked and left for dead because of his faith. So he, they knew all of his history, right? And, and so when he said that, they weren't like, well, no, I don't believe that's true. They knew it. And I think we know that. We see something like that and we're like, okay, I get it, I get it, I get it. We get it in our head. But yet in our lifestyles, listen, most of us, have to agree that we're really not mostly focused on getting God's approval and understanding who we are in Him. We're still trying to please people. So we get it, but we don't live it. Let's look at the second part of verse 10. If pleasing people, Paul said, were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. (laughs) It'd be impossible if I was trying to please people because you can't serve both. You can't live under the approval of people and under the lordship of Jesus Christ at the same time, you can't. Either Christ is your model and you say, I get who I am in him. And I'm just going to live for his will and his purpose. I'm not going to try to please everybody else. I mean, how could I please hundreds of people instead of just one? And why would I do that anyway? Because what they think really doesn't matter. But who he says I am really does matter. Because he created me. And I get that in my head. But the guy, the little girl, she's so cute. She's standing at my door and she's selling Boxes of chocolate for her school. They're only $132 for eight ounces. <laughs> Can we have a real talk here today? Could, could we be honest and have a conversation about this? The truth is that many of us are drawn, just like the hook in the nose, where we care too much about what people think of us. And we don't focus enough on who God says we are and how he views us. So I want to share with you two facts that we find in the disease to please, all right? And there's hope coming. If you're taking notes, number one, as much as we do not want to admit this, people-pleasing is a form of idolatry. People-pleasing is a... form of idolatry is that like a punch in the gut enough I mean think about this it's making people more important in our lives than God is last week we talked about the ten commandments right and we talked about in the Levitical law they didn't just have ten commandments which we found pretty well we don't live up to those even the ten but they had six hundred and thirteen that stemmed from the ten (laughs) they took ten and turned it into six hundred and thirteen And you know what number one is, if you know the Ten Commandments? It says, Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. You know what that means? If you're a follower of Christ, God wants to be number one in your life. First place, always. When he's in first place, everything else in your life can go as it was designed to go. But if you ever get something else in first place, it messes up what God's plan is for your life. Because he's got to be number one for it to work. Now, on the outside, right, in our heads, most of you would agree with me, and I would like to say, well, whew, I got that one down. Like, I don't put other things in front of God. But the reality is, we do it all the time. See? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm going to hear about that when I get home. You know what really idolatry is? Get this, think about this for a second. Chasing after anything more than you chase after God. That's idolatry. Spending more time focused on something other than God. Enjoying appreciating something more than God. We serve a jealous God who understands and wants us to understand that he needs to be first. He deserves to be first. Life works best when he's first. That's why he says, no other gods before me, no other thing. What's more important than him? Nothing. Look at John chapter 12, verse 42. Jesus spoke of this in his three and a half years of public ministry. Understand that Jesus literally took people that were blind and he spit into mud and mixed it up and put it on their eyes and they see. Did he need that? Of course he did not. People that couldn't walk, Jesus said to get up and walk and they walked. People that had leprosy, and leprosy was a painful disease. It, it separated you from your own family. No one could come near you. You had to live in total isolation. It was devastating, and Jesus cleansed people. He breathed life into people that were literally dead, and it wasn't some magic trick, and they walked away alive. And so around that time when Jesus was speaking, there was a group of religious leaders called Pharisees that were also eyewitnesses to all of these miracles, yet they refused to publicly acknowledge faith, that he was in fact the Christ Here's what he says in verse 42 about idolatry. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith. Why? For for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. Don't miss the next part. For they loved human praise more than the praise from God. That's idolatry. They cared so much about the praise of people that they said, "Mm, we'll fudge on this God having a personal relationship thing. Now, if you're like me, you look at that and say, what a bunch of crazy people. How would you get that warped? You ever had a family member going through a really hard time, family member really sick, and you didn't know where they stood with Jesus, and you thought, man, I really ought to have a conversation with them? but there was people around and you just couldn't get up the gumption to ask them or to talk to them because what are other people in the room going to think of you? That's what we're talking about. Right? So I look at them and say, you crazy people. How, How would you choose pleasing people over pleasing God? But I've been there. More times than I would like to admit. And I think you understand you've been there. Seemingly these moments that I had an opportunity to point people to God, to stand up for my beliefs, to share my faith. But the fear of people around me and what they might think or what they might say kept me from doing it. not only is that idolatry, it hurts the heart of God. We we shouldn't care so much what people think over what our God thinks. (laughs) I've got really, really good news. (laughs) The second thought about this disease, to please fill this in if you're taking notes. (laughs) The approval of God, the approval of God Knowing how he views us, the approval of God sets us free from the disease to please. Once we will understand and we understand who we are in Christ, it will free you up from the disease to please. Once and for all, his approval, if I can get understand his approval, if I can understand what his thoughts about me really are, It will liberate us and it will remove the hoop from our nose. It will release us from the prison of everybody else's opinions or thoughts of us. I don't know about you, but I want that. Look at 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 4 and 6. He says, On the contrary, we speak as those, get this, as Christ followers, who are we? We're people as approved by God. You know what that tells me? I'm enough. I don't know what you think about me, but in my designers, my creators, the one that I put my faith in because I'm in Christ, I'm enough. I'm approved by God. I've been approved by God and by my words and my life-bearing testimony that I'm enough in God's eyes. He goes on to say, we speak as those, get this, approved by God. We speak as those approved by God. God. To be entrusted with the gospel. He's entrusted us with the good news to share it with people around us. We're not trying to please people. Oh, yes, some of us are, but we don't need to be because we're approved by God. Because it's Him who tests our hearts. We aren't looking for praise from people, nor you, nor anyone else. Can you just take that in for a second? I mean, it doesn't mean I don't care about people. It doesn't mean, like, get out of here. I don't need you. That's not it. It's, I don't have to please you. You know why? Because I, I know who I am in Christ. I, I can just be me. And when I'm in Christ and I really recognize who I am and whose I am, I'm going to treat you better anyway, right? Because I'm going to be more like him. But I don't have to try to please you, but yet I can still serve you. I can still love you, probably love you even better because I know who I am in Christ. I'm not trying to one-up you because I'm secure in who I am in Christ. And we can't please everybody no matter how hard we try anyway. Don't you know that? How many I'm not even gonna ask you to show your hands. But you know where we've all been? We've all been with someone in our family and someone else in our family, or someone at work and somebody else at work, or whatever, and we just we just say, I can't take it anymore. I feel like I'm in the middle. In the middle of what? Well, if I do this, I won't... You won't what? They won't be happy. And if I do this, she won't be happy. My mom, my dad. But if I understand who I am in Christ, that my worth is only based on one thing, and it has nothing to do with my family, my neighbors, my coworkers... It's just because He created me. I have been a pastor now for this is our 33rd year we're starting. And I've come to the belief that every chronic sin struggle that exists in this room, in your life and in mine, has a singular cause, a singular source. Somewhere along the life, our lives, we bought a lie. And we bought a lie that creates an emptiness inside of us <laughs> that we keep trying to medicate and fix. And we'll never fix it trying to please people. For me, when I was growing up, I grew up in a upper middle class home probably never doubted that my parents loved me. However, I didn't hear that a lot. I'd never heard those words come from my mom or my dad. I didn't get a lot of attaboys. You know know how that works, right? Maybe you didn't either. And I had this hole inside of me. I think I was crying out for my mom or my dad to give me something to hang my hat on, right? To tell me that I was worth something. And when you don't get those, you try to do things that would get you noticed or to get some of that affirmation that you're okay, that you're enough, that you've got some worth. And when you don't get those, you go through life, no matter what your age is, and you wonder do I have value? Do I have worth? Am I good enough? Am I enough? All of those things. And so when I got out of high school and went in the Air Force, I did everything I could to be enough, right? Maybe if I make the golf team, maybe if I make the baseball team, which I did, right? And you chase that carrot trying to be enough. And you obtain that, and yet it doesn't fill the void, And so you go to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and you try to please this group and this person and that person and you're working yourself to a frazzle, but you never get the carrot. And I got out of the Air Force and I became an engineer. Maybe that will do it. I'm somebody now. And I'm trying to please that group and that person and this client and that client. And I'm an engineer now, but I'm still missing something in here. And then I gave my life to Christ on a golf course. And I surrendered to the one that surrendered his son's life for me. And I was adopted into God's family. And you think now, I'm enough. I got it. (laughs) But then I go in the ministry. And that's a crazy place. Because you got so many bosses. Every time the church grows, you got more bosses. You got more expectations. Everybody's got an idea of what you should be doing with your time. And whatever's going on in their life is the most important. And you think, okay, but I was enough and I couldn't be enough being an engineer and all that stuff. I needed Jesus. Now I have Jesus. But I got all these people and I'm going back to my people-pleasing ways. And ministry is a, oh, it's a crazy place to do that at. (laughs) I'm like, here I am again. And we need some recalibrating. The reason I'm so passionate about this is because I've lived this life. I am a fellow struggler. But you know why I love this church so much? Because we've seen thousands of people's lives changed, yes. Because many of your lives in this room have been changed. My mom and my dad's life was changed, and they're in eternity spending it with their Savior because of this church. But you know what else I love it? Because my life has been changed here. I didn't give my life to Jesus in this church, but my life has been changed here. Let me ask you a weird question. How many of you read your Bible? I would ask you if you read it every day. I'm not gonna ask you that. I would encourage that, but I'm not gonna ask you that. But let me ask you a question you may have never been asked or not been asked or thought about for a long time. For those of you that read your Bible, let me ask you, do you speak the Bible? I don't mean can you talk Christianese. That's not what I mean. I'm asking, do you speak God's word into your life out loud? And the answer probably for most of us is no, but I read it and we'd probably all agree we don't read it as we should. We don't read it every day. You know what that means? That I'm reading other stuff and I wouldn't outwardly want to tell you that I think the other stuff I'm reading is more entertaining or it's better for me or it will cause more good in my life. I don't know why we don't, <laughs> right? Maybe Don't put anyone else above me. I was too busy today for you. We wouldn't say that, but our actions say it. Enough of that, you feel bad enough. Okay, I got it. <laughs> We read the Bible, but do we speak it? I want you to think about the armor of God. I don't have time to go into this, but we know there's a breastplate of righteousness. There's a shield of faith. There's a belt of truth. All the armor of God goes on and on and on. And every single piece of armor that the Bible talks about putting on is a defensive weapon, except one. The only offensive weapon that a Christian has is what? The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The only offensive weapon I have to battle what's going on in my life is this. Everything else is defensive. And I read it. And you read it. But I want to challenge you today to speak it. To speak it out loud. Not necessarily everything you read. I'm going to give you some specifics. I want you to speak out loud to start your day or when you're struggling to be a people pleaser, I want you to focus on some passages that remind you of who you are in Christ. You know what, I I have to tell myself out loud at times because I'm still a struggler, I'm God's child. I'm a friend of Christ's, I've been justified. I'm a member of Christ's body, I've been adopted. When I gave my life to Christ, when I put my faith in him, he adopted me into his family do you know not everyone is a child of God it says to those who put their faith in him he gives the right to become a child of God God wants everybody in his family but he won't force you in you get adopted when you put your faith in him but I need to remind myself of that every day and it's not enough for me to read it I want you to speak it out loud every day And over time, you know what's going to happen? God's word says this, do not, do no longer be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I need to renew my mind. I need to get first things first. And over time, listen, you do this tomorrow, you do this today, it's probably not going to click in a day. It may not click in a week, it may not click in a month, but can I tell you somewhere over time, if you will speak the word over your life out loud, that I'm enough. If I am in, here's the first, are you in Christ? If you've not given your life to Christ, that's going to be step number one, we'll talk about it in just a minute. But if I'm in Christ, listen, because of his word, I'm enough. Because he says I'm enough in him. There's nothing I can do to make God love me more than he already does. And there's nothing I can do less of, right? He loves me today, whether I'm good or whether I'm bad, because I'm in him. I'm enough. That's what he says. I don't have to listen to everybody else. And if I can get up in your business for just a minute, there are lies, get this, there are lies that many of you have believed for years. That other people have said. Somebody said it to you years and years and years and years and years, and years ago. You'll never amount to anything. You're a failure. You're, you're ugly. You're this. You're that. You're that. You believe it. You want to act like you don't believe it. But you're living like you still believe their lie. We need our minds renewed. We, don't, we can't care about what they think. We need to care what he thinks. Amen. Amen. But our minds need to be renewed. Some of us have played the same old record for so many years. We've bought it. We need to see, and that's why we're going to start speaking some of his word out loud. Matter of fact, if you'll look at the back of your note sheets. When you're in Christ, listen, he doesn't view you as everybody else can see you. He views you through the lens of grace, through the lens of his son's sacrifice, his perfect son that died in your place. So he doesn't see you when you're in Christ, when you've given your life to Christ. When he looks at me, he doesn't see Scott Winstead. He sees his perfect son living in Scott Winstead, and that makes me acceptable. Okay, so who are we in Christ? Here's some of the things that you can speak out loud to yourself every single day over and over and over until it renews your mind and you're not going to be a people pleaser anymore because you realize who you are in Christ. You're a new creation in Christ. That's who you are if you're in Christ. You're a brand new creation. You're forgiven and your sins have been washed away. That's who you are. I'm going to say this out loud every day. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ. I don't care what you think. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm God's masterpiece. I'm a light of this world because the light lives in me. I'm filled with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. That's who I am. I'm a joint heir with Christ. I'm Christ's ambassador. I'm a representative sent from heaven to this earth to share his good news. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm greatly loved by God on my best day and on my worst day because I'm in Christ. And you're all that and a bag of chips. That's first Scott two one. That's not real. Some people think they are. Some people think they are that in a bag of chips. But can I tell you, if you're in Christ to Him, you are all that in a bag of chips in Him. You're not what people think about you. You might believe you are, but you're not. You're only what God says about you. That's it. And can I tell you, if you're in Christ, that's enough. That's enough. When you let that penetrate your heart, when you step into that, when you let that soak in not just your head, but into your heart and soul, you'll no longer be afraid of what people think or who they think you are. Your number one goal in life is not to keep the peace and to try to make sure you please everybody. For the first time in your life, you can take a breath of fresh air and say, you know what, I'm just out to please the one that matters. And I don't please him by my performance because on my best day or on my worst day, he loves me the same. I'm not working for his approval. I'm living from his approval. We talked about that last week. If you missed last week or any of the weeks, I strongly encourage you to catch up. I know who I belong to, I know who I am because of whose I am. We need this. Every sin struggle, I believe, starts with a lie that we've believed for many, many years. And that's I'm not enough. But if you're in Christ and through the power of his word, that liberates us, sets us free, pulls the hoop from our nose, we no longer have to live with the disease to please. Because at the end of the day, don't ever forget the fear of man. It's a snare. It's a trap. And many of us have been stuck in it unnecessarily, because if you're in Christ, (laughs) you don't need it. And it doesn't work anyway, but it's wearing you out. But whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. I believe God wants to do that in our hearts today. I want it for me, I want it for you. Would you bow your heads? Father, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you that... uh, God, your word is so relevant, so practical. (laughs) God, that the truth sometimes um, may be hard to hear, but it is freeing. (laughs) God, I pray that we would be freed, every Christ follower in this room, from the power, by the power of your word, that we would be free from this insane hamster wheel of trying to please, chase that carrot of pleasing people. God, set us free from the disease to please. Those of us that are in Christ, is our prayer if that's you today as you're sitting here I, inside of your own heart whisper those words to God just say God I want that <laughs> I, I belong to you I have no doubt about that because I know a time and a place where I put my faith in you And God I also know that I struggle with this disease to please and realize today I don't need to <laughs> that you've set me free from that you say I'm enough and I'm valuable God help me to speak those words every day for as long as I need to until it finally clicks of who I really am in you with our heads still bowed and our eyes closed listen The thing that matters the most is who's Lord of your life. And if you can't remember a specific time, a specific place where with your own mouth you confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, where you asked him to forgive you of your sins and trusted in him alone and invited him into your heart and life as your Savior and Lord, then you're not a child of God. But you can leave a child of God. If there's any question whatsoever in your heart and your mind, make this your prayer right where you're seated in the stillness of your heart to god's ear say god i want to know you personally i admit to you that i'm a sinner i've done wrong i turn from my sin right now and i commit my life to you i ask you to forgive me of my sins put your spirit inside of me come and take up residence in my heart and from this day forward I'll be your child. Thanks for adopting me into your family. No matter how long I live or when I die, I'll be in heaven with you. Not because I'm good, but because your son who now lives in me is perfect. God, help me that I no longer have this disease to please, but I'll realize that in you I'm enough. And God, in a moment, when I have a chance to open up and take out a communication card, And they ask me, if you made a decision to Christ, let us know by checking the box that said, today I committed my life to Christ. What will other people think? I'm not going there today because I'm proud of who I belong to in you. And I say thanks in Jesus' name, amen.